Do you prefer actor or actress? I think that's a conversation. I'm really attached to actress because that was my dream when I was a teenager. I wanted to be an actress because feminism hadn't affected that term yet. But now I call myself an actor. In my intro, I could just say legend. That could be... No, stop with the legend. (laughs) Stop with the legend. You're so sweet, but... Oh, my God. You've got it by now how embarrassed I am about, like, everything. My special guest today is an awesome actress who played one of the Bill's most beloved CID characters. And today, as well as walking the beat down memory lane, we're going to be finding out all about her brand new television project that this clever human being has written herself. Ladies and gents worldwide, you have inundated me with requests. And now Susie Croft is back. Make some noise for the mighty Kerry Pears. Kerry, welcome to the Bill <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what an introduction. I, I'm just I'm so fearful I can't live up to that. But thank you, Oliver. You're so stunning. <laughs> and hello, everybody. Uh, it's lovely to be joining everyone. <laughs> now, uh, we, when we originally chatted last year for, you know, the late, great Tony Scannell, you, you gave a wonderful tribute to him. At that time, we were in the heart of lockdown. Restrictions were at their strictest. Life was very uncertain. Since then, you've gone on an incredible journey of creativity. So would you mind telling us what you've been up to over the last year? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. That was a beautiful tribute you did to Tony, by the way. That was oh. really, really, really wonderful. Everyone's contributions really moved me. He was indeed a legend. <laughs> the journey that uh, I guess all actors have been on over the last 18 months and you know I mean it's not just our industry that Covid has affected is it it's everybody but I can only speak from you know personal perspective and our industry was shut down theatres were closed you know very very little television being made I suppose six months or so into lockdown I just thought what on earth am I gonna do what am I gonna do with my time and um how do how can I be productive And I just thought, well, maybe I could go back to university and do something there. And I thought about philosophy and all sorts of other things. And anyway, bizarrely, obviously, I ended up back doing something, you know, creative. So it was an MA in um, drama, which uh, lots of people have said to me, uh, family and friends, oh, well, of course, I mean, that'd be easy for you. Oh, (laughs) 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 the academic side. I nearly gave up in the first couple of months. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was such a steep uh, curve on the theory side. So my project that I'm now trying to take uh, towards getting commissioned for a TV series started out as a, a solo piece. So I was intending to create a one-woman show for theatre to bring back to the industry when everything opened up again. So it started off as a sort of autobiographical uh, solo piece. And then I I started uh, including other characters and I'm thinking, well, I'll talk about them in the show. 
And then I contacted lots of friends on Zoom and said, look, do you want to do some improvs? Would you like to play the producer character? Would you like to play my sister stroke mum? And, and we started doing lots of improvisations and all of us had just such a great time. <laughs> and it was just so great to hang out with mates on Zoom yeah. and play like children. <laughs> and we, we just had a brilliant time. So the aim was to, um, uh, to produce uh, characters that were very close to ourselves, but not us. Uh, so it's a kind of um, a term that I, I took from Richard Sheshner, one of my theorists. We're not playing us, but we're not not playing us. You know, it's that sort okay. of very fine line. Uh, so there's a lot of our own sort of personal stuff in there as well, but I'm not going to tell you which bits. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of the pilot is that we shoot as much of the script as we possibly can and then take that to... Uh, broadcasters and producers and see if we can get it commissioned but we've got a stellar cast and a fabulous director and a fabulous DOP Luke Palmer so um, I, I feel quite hopeful. <laughs> yeah well I, I've been very lucky to have a sneak peek at this process thanks to you and I'm I'm so excited for you but I'm also you take a moment to feel proud of yourself for making this happen because it's it's genuinely like have you written anything before? Uh, I adapted a series of books, like mega books, <laughs> for a television series. And in fact, Eric, who is producing this new series with me, uh, was my producer on that as well. And we took that out into the world. A number of TV production companies wanted it, DNA bought it, or you know, commissioned it. And it went so far down the road. Um, but then another uh, production company had suddenly came uh, and said, we're doing Britannica, which sort of wiped oh. the music series off, off the board because it was so, it was too similar. But you find quite often things like that happen, don't they? Same idea. It's sort of a zeitgeist moment. The same sort of idea comes about at the same time. So, yeah, so I wrote the pilot episode for that and did series outline for the 10 episodes and it, it all looked set to go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you're on the money with this. I mean, let's talk about accidental guru and talk about kelly let's talk about your character your creation here bring her to life for us so kelly is uh it's quite close to me so she's um, a middle-aged woman who has wanted to get out of a long-term marriage didn't know how to go about it so she's a bit lost in the world she's from uh, you know my area of uh, northeast Wales uh, so my accent has been somewhat smoothed out over the years too many years of acting and do, moving about the place so naturally we sound a bit more scouse up here around in this area of Wales so Kelly sounds a bit like that so Kelly started uh, following self-help programs and looking at self-help gurus and manifested her way she started visualizing the life that she wanted so she wanted out of her marriage she wanted to make a load of money and she wanted the love of her life back into her life and because she's a big talker she was telling all her friends about this and they wanted as she started to make a success so she actually got a commission for an autobiography she started producing that that was becoming a success she started making videos to go on youtube and um and live streaming and doing all that kind of insta celeb stuff and it started gathering the following and people wanted what she'd got they wanted her teaching so she started seminars they grew it ended up becoming a big theater tour that she was taking all around the 
country, changing people's lives, uh, getting them to manifest their uh, love into their lives, their dream job, their house, whatever it might be, and was quite successful at it. I mean, of course, the two sides to uh, this coin, it doesn't work for everyone, this power of positive thinking, but it's worked for Kelly to a certain extent. And it's worked for a lot of her followers. So she's selling this big idea that we can have whatever we want if we just focus on it and think positive. But of course, the underbelly of Kelly is that she's not a perfect human being. She has a team around her um, of, uh, well, her partner. She did manifest the love of her life back in. So she has a partner who is really quite long suffering, but loves her yeah. uh, pieces, but she's not terribly nice to him all the time she's quite controlling generally <laughs> and um and fails she falls down she's human she fails she's you know she's sometimes a bit mean to her PA who is um uh, played by wonderful Carol Starks and uh, she's she takes a battering poor Karen is the character from Kelly but then Kelly feels bad she feels guilty like all mm. of us when we lose our temper or don't behave well so Kelly's team put up with a lot and they save her a lot from um herself <laughs> i love it because it's it's always fascinating i mean i, I i've enjoyed a, a few of these uh you know very positive inspirational speakers you know got the ted talks and all that and then then you often wonder don't you well put that really positive person in a traffic jam and see how well they actually you know let's see if they can put the money with that which is exactly what you do and that's that's what i have really enjoyed watching the zoom reading and so I'm, I'm so excited for you. And let's talk about. Um, I mean, was there was there anyone who inspired you, or any any anything you watched that was the kind of light bulb moment to go down this? It was going to be part of my one woman show. This whole idea, because I I did actually use uh, positive thinking to change my life. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not actually based on nonsense. It's actually based mm. on on stuff that I really do, I really do believe yeah. that you can change your life through the power of positive thinking. I really do believe that the law of attraction can work. I also know, because I've been doing it for like over 10 years, I also know that it's so easy to fall down because of course we, we have doubts and we doubt ourselves and we get into a negative place. And who knows? I don't know. I like to think that it is the universe bringing to us our greatest desires. Mm. Probably also the universe helping us to fall down when that's what we're thinking about negatively. You know, and I like to believe that that is the case. But maybe it's just being in a really positive place that, that gets you where you want to go. I, I don't know. I, I'm. It's not a comment. This the series is not meant to be a comment on whether we really believe it or do do these people, do these gurus aim to just make money from people by selling this idea? Uh, maybe they do, but I don't like to be that cynical. You know, I like to think this. So I watched a lot of Esther Hicks, if we can name names. Yeah. I've watched and listened to a lot of Esther Hicks over the years who um, says that she channels uh, someone called Abraham who actually represents kind of the, you know, the universe, if you like. I love her talks. I mean, even if you take away all the sort of spiritual aspect or the universe aspect, just her positive force is great. Uh, Mike Dooley is a, another one great, you know, positive uh, thinker and speaker. So, yeah, so it was, it was inspired by a lot of real things in my life. And I did manifest the love of my life back into my life. <laughs> oh, wow. 
that in really life. happened yeah wow <laughs> so uh the um uh i was do you want me to tell this tale <laughs> i'd love it if you had it to we yeah yeah That's so wonderful. Uh, I met my partner, Richard, when we were 15, 16 years old. It was a love at first sight mode thing. And we completely fell. And uh, we were together until um, I bumped into my dad. I'd been absent from my dad for a very, very long time. I bumped into my dad. He lives in Norway. And on the spur of the moment, this is when I was 19, I said, I want to come and live with you because I wanted to get to properly know him and him to know me. And so poor... <laughs> Poor Richard. I went home to him. We were living together by then. I went home to him and said, I'm going to live in Norway. <laughs> and I took off. And I think I just sort of, you know, you're a teenager and you, I don't know, you don't think things through, do you? I think I just thought he'd be there whenever I decided to get back. <laughs> and it broke his heart and he, uh, he wasn't there because he felt like I'd left him. Anyway. Then I come back uh, eventually, a year or so later, and go to drama school. And by then he'd moved to London. So we sort of tentatively saw each other on and off through our 20s. But ni neither of us were really willing to go. Uh, so I love you. Now what do we do? Um, <laughs> it was, we, yeah, I think we'd sort of hurt each other and it was too hard to commit. So off we went with other people there was a bit in between when we were about 29 where we accidentally met on a train and um it was one of those oh my god sort of moments <laughs> but both of us were with other people so then fast forward uh 20 years and um i'm coming out of my marriage and he's now single and i start for really folks i didn't know where he was i don't know nobody knew where he was our friends or anything no one knew and I started really focusing on that. And then one of my friends bumped into him. <laughs> and he was down in South Wales. And um, yeah, uh, so he, she gave me his number. He said, I'd love to hear from Kerry if she's, you know. And um, uh, the rest is history, as I say. I got in touch with him immediately. <laughs> and after a few tentative talks, I blurted everything out. He blurted everything out. And um, it never really uh, gone away, that big love. And then we arranged to meet up and yeah, fireworks are all still there. So oh, that's just, that's just, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So seven years down the line, we're still very happy. <laughs> I'm delighted for you. That's like, that's magic. I know. Fantastic. <laughs> what an inspirational journey you've had in real life. And now, because this must be, especially in lockdown to have done what you've done must be incredibly liberating creatively you know it has been i mean it is i've never worked so hard in all my life uh, with all the you know the theory the academic side of thing the essays and all these things that are not i was not accustomed to uh but i've also i've never had such a fantastic time with my mates yeah. that's that is what's been so incredible creatively these are all people that I was either in youth theatre with or in drama school with so we're talking about friendships that go back uh, 40 years and the drama school like 33 years so to get to work with all of these people who I love so much uh, uh, that's been creatively creative magic that's been because I mean just beautiful you know yeah that's that was creatively extraordinarily liberating because of course in our real acting lives we don't we don't normally get to determine who we work with yeah. and 
I've worked with some amazing people, but to choose my friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, extraordinary. I mean, I'm just blessed with this cast. But it's great. It's great ammunition for you as a character, but for Kelly as a character, because it automatically we feel she cannot be on all the time, you know, yeah. and, and that's the thing. I used to do like junkets for, for films and you'd always have like someone who come in for 10 minutes and think, oh, well, they're a bit grumpy. It's like they've got weeks of this. Like you've got 10 minutes. They, they're doing this all day for weeks that's all right. over the world. They're knackered. You know, it might seem like a cushy deal, but they're on all the time, aren't they? You know, it's just so I, I think it's a really interesting um, way to talk about the, the humanity behind there because they're a performer. And Kelly is in one way a performer, but That's she's right. actually it, it, from her perspective, the people in the audience are more important than her, aren't they? She's empowering them. So it's, it's yeah. two things going on. Absolutely. So Kelly is, is uh, that's, yeah, that's really great that you said that, Oliver, actually, because Kelly is, uh, yes, she is wanting things for herself and her team, but she absolutely believes in what she is doing. She absolutely believes she can change people's lives. She really wants to help people. But as you say, she cannot be on all the, takes such a lot of energy from her for to go up on stage, to deliver that to the people, to, uh, she does um, one-to-ones as well, bringing someone up on stage and, and deals with them one-to-one, -one, trying to have a lot of energy. And, um, and Kelly Carr, yeah, it's too much for Kelly. Like it would be for most human beings who do kind of public, dealing with public as a, as a job. Yeah. Um, we couldn't do it. We can't do it all the time, can we? And yeah. the performance element, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think that is really, I've not, I haven't even really thought of that, actually, you know, that we're showing that, but but we absolutely are, aren't we? Let's go back in time. So we've talked about the present and hope and the future. I noticed you're wearing your bill badge. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This <laughs> is from it. Nigel Wilson. Bless him, he sent me this. He's been sending I love me it. original paperwork. Yeah, so I'm on blue unit today. I love uh, that. <laughs> I've, well, got, I've got a little box of those red. Have you? Well, let's go back to your your beginnings. I mean, where you know, where's your background? Where did you go up, grow up, and and when did acting first capture your imagination? Um, okay, well, I grew grew up in uh, North Wales, so my natural accent is quite scousy sounding so we're really on the border here uh, in north wales influenced by liverpool and also actually a lot of people came in during the war from uh, liverpool as well my nan was a scouser so the the area of d side where we don't sound welsh so people always say to me are you from wales <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound welsh uh, we're like well no if i give you the accent that i came from you know where it started when I was growing up then I'd absolutely sound much more like that you're all right you know we call each other is our kid doing that and it's all like that in Flincher so not Welshy Welsh um but Welsh but most definitely Welsh I spent three years in Clandidno as a kid and yeah. my, my accent like which has always been strong West Country I turned into Craig Charles for three years <laughs> I just didn't sound but I didn't sound Welsh I sounded scouse so we used, to we used to send videos, like Christmas videos, back to my grandparents in Plymouth. And they were like, what's happened to his voice then, you know? <laughs> so. I know, and it would have been a shame to lose it forever because I love your accent. Oh, it's, I it's, it's most... But yeah, it's all that Scouse. But of course, to Scousers, we don't sound Scouse. No. You know, that, that, 
the Scousers don't think we're Scousers. But when I first moved from uh, from Wales uh, down to London, especially before I'd had, you know, a lot of my accent, I'm still there, but before I'd had a lot of it knocked out of me by drama school, then everyone thought I was a Scouser. So, yeah, that's where I grew up, North Wales. The acting came about, really, because um, when we were doing options at school, <laughs> I think the choices for this column of what you could choose was typing, recreational studies or drama and I'm like I really don't want to type yeah. <laughs> recreational studies on top of PE and <laughs> I'll do I'll do the drama that's probably easy that's honestly what happened wow so we started doing drama and we're lucky enough to have like really fantastic teacher Gwenda Williams she deserves a shout out because she's launched so many people down the road of acting from this area a visiting teacher called Richard Jones, who um, uh, has done a, you know, acting himself and you know, runs and drama. And so he got involved as well. So it was, it was a really great drama class. And I loved it. I just loved it. And mm. I found that I was quite good at it. And Richard uh, Jones said to me, you should join the youth theatre. So I was 15 then. Uh, went along to youth theatre and joined up there, started doing... And then, of course, as soon as I joined youth theatre, because of, this is going back in the day where this was council funded. So it was free. It was free mm -hmm. to everybody. I'm an amazing facility. And we got to use Theatre Clued, which is a fantastic, really, really brilliant theatre with loads of facilities, amazing stage, uh, well, stages. And uh, we got to play there. And there, I know, I mean, we didn't realise, I don't think, just how lucky we were you know um but tech their technicians would work on our shows we got to work alongside professionals and I mean it was just the most magnificent experience um and that's where so many of my friendships and my love yeah <laughs> were formed within youth theatre and uh, yeah absolutely loved that and uh, amazing you know professionals at the theatre Tim Healy actually was the one who really did it for me in terms of me thinking I wanted to do it professionally because I, I I was I was always a bit of a kind of hide your light under the bushel kind of a girl so I'd be given the lead roles and things in the youth theatre but I was a bit too shy and uh, uncertain to actually tell anyone that you know you see this thing here where I'm playing like the leading roles and things and I really like it I'd actually really like to do that in real life you know I was, I was a bit underconfident I suppose in those kind of terms. Tim Healy, he deserves a big shout out, wonderful actor. He was at the theatre and he said to me, you have to go to drama school, you have to train and be an actress. Uh, so yeah, it was him. He gave me the courage to, to say that out loud to other people, you know. Right. I was very, very grateful because a few years later I was working backstage at Nottingham Playhouse and Tim Healy was filming I presume Mark Feeder's own pet somewhere around the area or something. Oh. And he was he was staying in the hotel with some of the rest of the cast where I was waitressing as well. Oh. And so I actually, and I'd already applied and been accepted to drama school by then. So I actually got to say to him, thank you. And I'm doing it. Yeah. That's class. I know it's made me a bit emotional actually. That's, that's <laughs> lovely, isn't it? I'm so glad I had that opportunity. So have there been any performing genes in your family, as it were? And what did your family make of, of your <laughs> desire to go into acting? <laughs> I think they still think I'm mad. You know? <laughs> I think, why would you want 
why would you want to do that? You know, I mean, they came to see all my theatre shows and, you know, I think they all they all think I'm quite good and everything. But my mum hit the roof when I when I said she wanted me to do a beauty therapist course, uh, a three year beauty therapist course. She thought I was quite good at hair and makeup. And um, when I said to her, I'm not going to do that, she'd already bought me the the kit. And I, I come from a very working class background, so we, we didn't have a lot of money knocking about, you know. Um, so I think that was quite a big stretch for her. Uh, as, and she was a single mum as well to run to that. And I, when I said, and I don't, I'm not going to use the kit. I'm not doing that. I'm actually going to go to drama school. There were fireworks. Right. <laughs> By that point, I didn't, I didn't really care what any of them thought because I, I really didn't care what anyone thought. I just thought, no, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. And I sort of think, in a way, um, you have to be that resilient as, a, as an actor or probably anyone in the creative industry. You, sort of, you have to be able to ignore what people think because, you know, we get knocked back a lot, don't we? And mm. we don't always get what we want. We don't always get the jobs that we go for. And so you have to be really resilient and be able to cope with people going, yeah, well, I don't think you're right for this. <laughs> yeah. And you still have to be able to go, no, but I know I am right for something. You know? Yeah. And keep on going. Yeah. I always say to young actors or young people who are thinking about going into the industry, just make sure it's the what you know, it's the thing you really want to do above all else. Above all, if there's anything else that you want to do and you can do, do that. Because with this, you'll you'll get knocked back a lot. You have to be able to get up and brush yourself off and keep marching on with belief. <laughs> yeah. Has has the fact that you've you know over the last few years manifested dreams and and has that added an extra sort of layer of to your armor as it were because it is a it is a tough profession even with the experience and and caliber of your work behind you it does still if you go for a role you really want and they give all the excuses under the sun why you don't get it has the positivity helped you because I mean you've had a really good it seems to me as someone looking at your resume you've had a really good last three or four years of pretty re regular telly work yeah, no, I have been work. really I've been really really lucky so this is a few little few years ago I I'd taken the focus off work because I was trying to find a house to live in so it was all you know that thing you're going through where you're looking somewhere to live and uh, your life just becomes consumed by finding a home and um so I'd taken my eye off the ball and, and sort of turned down auditions as well, going, I'm sorry, I haven't got time. I need to, I've got to find somewhere for me and my son to live. <laughs> and so all the focus was on that. And then, of course, like, when you start dropping out of doing the work, then you start dropping out of people's minds. You know, sort of part of this whole game is staying present, which I'm not very good at the best of times. But anyway, I sort of taken myself out of the work scenario for about six months. And we got the house and we moved in and I thought, oh, I need to really, I really need to be working now. Me and a friend uh, decided to do some active manifestation. <laughs> See, I do sound nuts. No. Uh, and left messages for each other on each other's mobiles. So we were imagining that the what we wanted was already happening. So I'd leave, I'd leave a message for, for my friend saying... Um, 
Uh, so, uh, really great news. My agent's just been in touch and she's sending through a script for a TV series. And um, I, I already know the director and I named the director. Uh, which is great and he's really great um anyway it's just just kind of like a few scenes in the first episode um and that's all they want me for at the moment but they've said there might be a possibility that I'll come back in a few of them so this went on we did this over about two three weeks she's leaving me messages about what it is that she's you know happening to her in her imaginary universal world and I'm growing the uh, idea of the TV series. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I, amazingly, I've had the audition. I was fantastic. It went down really well. Um, and so they're really interested in me. And they've bagged me for the first episode, which is great. And now they're talking about other episodes. So I was writing myself into more episodes, just a bit here, a bit there. My ambition wasn't really high. I was just like, I just need like a good few episodes to pay the bills. Yeah. And, um, and that happened. So. Yeah. So I got the call actual in real life from my agent saying, oh, and I wanted to be close. I wanted to be commutable. I'd included that in the voicemail. Yeah. So uh, my agent called and said, oh, um, you need it over in Liverpool. Uh, they want you to go and meet for this new television series. And uh, it's just a few scenes in the first episode. But it might... <laughs> how mad is that? That's fantastic, isn't it? It's mad. And I ended up being in, I think, nine out of the ten episodes. Just like, you know. And it wasn't a big part. It was just like bits and it was just what I needed. And the other thing that I'd thrown into those voicemails was that, um, yeah, then after that, uh, there's a theatre. I haven't even looked at the script yet, but I'm never off stage in that. And that happened. And when it came up, I was really, and it dovetailed, which is also dovetailed superbly with the next. So that year, (laughs) because I talked it all out and I I do sound crackers, but that year I didn't have a break. I went from one job, one job into the next, from these things that I just thought, I'll be doing this next, I'll be doing that. I don't know. I mean, is that magic? Is that positive thinking? Is that just noticing in a way that you're getting things that you've thought about that maybe you wouldn't notice if you hadn't mm. thought about them before? I don't know. My huge thanks to Kerry, an absolute triumph of a human being. I adore her, and I'm sure you do as well. If you'd like to support Kerry's Accidental Guru TV pilot, they're currently in post-production and they're looking for some extra support. You can find the campaign on GoFundMe.com, and the link is in the description of this podcast. Perks include getting your name on the closing credits of the pilot. There's plenty more gold dust to come in parts two and three. She's a Verbill legend, so she deserves a trilogy. And there's lots of Susie Croft anecdotes coming up in parts two and three. Make sure you tune in and enjoy them. If you're enjoying this gold dust with Kerry, well, you could have enjoyed it six months ago on Patreon because Sergeant patrons of the Bill podcast get access to releases six months in advance. So right now, while you're listening to Kerry on SoundCloud, they're enjoying six podcasts in advance, including a special quadrilogy with the fantastic Ian Fletcher, a.k.a. DC Rod Skates. If you'd like to unlock over 50 hours of bonus content, including video commentaries of cast and crew, reaction and analysis videos, Misty Moon reunion highlights. There's loads on there. It would be wonderful to see you on there. Loads of chat and discussion between the patrons. I'm really grateful for everyone's support. 
That's patreon.com forward slash the build podcast. Right now, I'll hand you over to another Sunhill legend, Mr. Ben Payton, to read our closing credit to our inspector and chief super patrons, the co-producer and executive producers of the Bill podcast. My huge gratitude to them. Take it away, 007. Hello, this is Ben Payton, and you have been listening to the Bill podcast. Produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. Co-produced by Ben Adams, Sarah Kuyper, Alex Mockler and Simon Wolfe. Executive produced by Glenn Allen, Ben Ashmore, Daniel Christopher, Alana Dewar, Andrew Dyack, Paul Dunn, Dan Evans, George Fairbrother, Stuart Gibbon, Aaron Gordon, Luke Hegarty, Edward Kellett, James Ladane, Lucy McNeil, Stuart and Jen Morris, Claire Norbury, Justin Pitt... Tom Sherrington, Angel Stannard, Patrick Stratford, Sarah Went and Michael Weil. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com and Misty Moon Events. Signed copies of Oliver Crocker's book, Witness Statements, are available from devonfirebooks.com.